I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I have no words, man. I have no words, and I mean that literally, pretty much. My voice just returned today, so uh, I'm so exhausted, and I just—it still feels like a dream. But here we are, man. Champions. I am still in disbelief. Like I, I don't even know how to describe it. Also, and uh, our guest tonight from uh, from the amazing lands of Ohio, we have Jeff Dean. Jeff, how you doing? I am feeling victorious. Damn straight. I feel so, like I should just put a put a star on my forehead and walk around. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's a very appropriate thing right now. So yeah, we won the uh, we won the MLS Cup. Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so we won an interesting fashion though. 
it was a it was quite a quite a game. I did not have the pleasure of being there, which I I'm regretting every day. I think it was. You were there, I, man. You were there. I, I, I saw you on national television. I'm gonna rewatch anyone, the game. If anyone wants to uh, search on Twitter the hashtag Kyle Bound and Down, you can see my head and the many adventures my head had at, uh, at MLS Cup. <laughs> that, that, did, that did make me quite happy to see. I was a uh, good buddy of mine named Victor. Uh, he uh, contacted my fiance and got a, got a nice picture of my head to bring to the cup, and that made me smile. But uh, I didn't have the pleasure of being there, but I did get to watch it, so I do have a – it was quite a crazy game. It was – you know. Let's, let's get to it really quick right now, just so we can settle anything. The second goal controversy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I am so sick of hearing crew fans and shittle fans saying, oh, the ball was out of bounds. That's a tainted goal. You guys will always have to know that you won the cup with a tainted goal. Well, to that I say, ha, ha, ha fuck you. We got the cup. <laughs> you know? Because you had part, you had Parkhurst with the handball on the goal line, a clear handball. I don't care what that that mutant troll Simon Borg says on his highlight show. That was <laughs> a clear handball. That's a textbook handball. That's a red card because it's on the goal line, and that's a PK for us. Yeah, there. Torsten Frings might disagree with you, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear cut. And like, yo, here's what's up. It, the, the ref should have called it. It was out of bounds. It was not two yards out of bounds. No, that was bullshit. That was bullshit. I, it was a foot, which I is one third of a, a yard. It was a ball's width out. Yeah. Yeah. P- ESPN apparently doesn't know how much Here's how my thing. in a yard. But. That, that ball well, and, out. and Shani, Shani didn't help facts any. Shani didn't help himself either when he started dribbling the ball right. to go out of bounds. If the ball was clearly out of bounds, he should have picked it up to go for the throw-in. He started right. dribbling. To me, that says... The ball still in play. Nagby was correct in, in playing the ball, and Nagby was correct in playing until he heard a whistle. Well, he he even looked at he looked at the sideline ref, and then he looked at the center ref, and kind of went, "Okay, okay. I'm gonna go Let's get this." Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing, anyway. Like we've been fucked over so many times by the ref or shitty calls or anything like that. This is just coming back around. Like this is it was oh, yeah. to come back around, and it came back in the most important <laughs> game. And I'm okay with that. Like. The ball was out. It was a blown call, sure. But you know what? Yeah. We still fucking won. The rest, still... the rest were terrible on both sides. They were. Like, yeah, yeah, they were blown calls both sides. Here's the thing I tell crew supporters. You had one shot on goal all match. Right? It was one, one shot on, on goal. That's what you should be pissed off about. Not about this call. One shot on goal. You know, the guy who tied for the most goals scored in the league, one goal. Yep. No, you're not wrong. I mean, you know. that's the thing. That needs to be made very clear. The refing was a terrible on both ends. Like, it wasn't just like, it wasn't a biased ref at all. It was, like, I looked at it, it was a night, the ref had 19 prior games experience to the MLS Cup. Who the fuck right. thought that was a good idea? Who? The, the uh, main ref had 19 games previous, no. didn't he? There's no, no way that's yeah, um... No, Marufo? Marufo's been in the league for years. I, whoever I saw, they, they put someone's experience up with only 19 games. That is, that's I think no I think he had 19 postseason games. Okay, that makes that would make sense. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been around for a while. He's done MLS Cups before. He this is okay. I think well, his second or third very, MLS Cup he's ref. That's almost more. Like, I, I, how the fuck does that happen? Like if you're that experienced, I'm sorry, I can understand inexperienced. That's what I assumed happened for that crappy, but that's just me. Well, here's the funny thing. I think I Matt Doyle on Twitter pointed out that. Tony Chani had almost this exact same thing happen a couple of years ago against Dallas, where Fabian Wait, Castillo went down to the end line. I got to stop right there. Um, 
Tony Chani play? Wasn't he shut down the whole game? <laughs> yes. Well, no, he he wasn't because he kept dribbling, and so Nagby took the ball off his foot and went and set up a goal. But, like, I think it was in 2013, Fabian Castillo went down. It was off the end line, and Tony Chani thought it went out of bounds, so he just stopped playing, and then Fabian uh, Castillo went and set up a goal. And the crazy thing is, it was the exact same AR on the sideline <laughs> in that game back then as it was on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean... First of all, there's no excuse to not keep playing till the whistle. Like that's that's day one on kindergarten soccer. Like play right. till you hear the whistle. Uh, and so there's no excuse there. It's even worse that this has happened to him before. So I don't know what his deal is, but he needs to like it's man up, figure it out, man. Like you're right. He's right. It was out of bounds. Should have been called. But you play until the whistle. So. But let's even talk about the Valeri goal. Like, how beautiful was that? Like, Steve Clark had no fucking clue that that bomb was about to hit him. Yeah. Oh, well, that I was mean, amazing. That was an amazing goal. It really was. I mean, it was it was a testament, I think, to Porter and how ready he had everyone to play because you look at what – I've watched that goal like a hundred times at this point. Mostly because I couldn't really see what happened when we were at the field. Um, and – it's it's crazy because Timbers had the kickoff and we basically kicked it out for a goal kick immediately. But as soon as the Timbers got the ball, they started pressing forward and stayed really high, even on that's Columbus's a good point. I mean, goal look cut. how high Valeri was at that time. Like he was almost playing as a second forward and then dropping back when needed. But he was playing really high when that goal took place. Well, and the reason it happened is because he initially cut off the outlet. Uh, I think it was Sorrow passed it back to Clark, he, and Valeri tracked down the ball, and then Audi kind of stepped in to cut off the passing lane to Clark's right, and so that was his initial uh, thought to do, and then he had to turn it across his body, and he had no idea that Valeri was going to push all the way on top of him. I mean, he's not even looking at Valeri at that point. He thinks no. he's got as much time as no. he needs, and Valeri's just run like a bat out of hell, and Clark... Had, just has no idea, and you watch that goal, and Clark just looks so sad because he's watching he it he roll looks, in. He looks defeated. Um, but he just had no idea that Portland was going to come out and press that much. So, I mean, that's a credit to Caleb Porter and, and a knock against Burhalter that his team was apparently totally unprepared for such a high press that early in the game. And um, so, I mean, it's yes, it's a huge howler by Clark to, you know, fuck that up in the first 27 seconds. But it's absolutely a testament to the game plan that Caleb Porter set up because 99% of teams would not have been been in that oppor- that, that you know had that opportunity because they wouldn't have been pressing that high that early. Uh, you know, the, but prior to that goal, the earliest goal I think was like five minutes, and it's just yeah. because teams are usually so tentative in cup games that they you know they just want to get a feel for the game first. And Caleb Porter says, "Fuck it, I'm going for it." And uh, and he did, and, and I, it's absolutely a credit to how him and the coaching staff set that up. Like, that cannot be overstated. Everyone's going to be like, Steve Clark messed this up, but I think more oh, yeah. credit goes to the Timbers and the coaching staff for just being like, we're going to go get this. No, you're right. You could almost sum <laughs> up the whole crew game by saying they were not ready for a cup game. Because once we shut down the links, I mean, Diego Larry was the uh, – 
the MLS Cup MVP. But there's a lot of people also shouting for Jorge Villafania, who, and we'll get to we'll talk about him in a few minutes, but, I mean, he completely shut down his side. I mean, like, they had almost no service from the wings. I mean, they, they're, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have any numbers in front of me, but Columbus Crew on average puts in something like 40, like mid-40s in the crosses. 20. And they got, no, no, yeah. they led, they led MLS with 20 crosses a game. Okay, then I'm, whatever I saw was completely off of that, but they put half of what they normally, oh, successful. Yeah, they put about half of what they normally success. Well, no, well, no, sorry, I'm gonna correct you on this one too. Go for it. So they put in 27 crosses, and they completed one of them. So, this is the team that scored more goals, I think they scored a third of their goals this season with their head off crosses, and they led the league in crosses and successful crosses, and we just, Viafania, they're almost all down, all their attempts were downside of the field, and uh, Viafania just, down Columbus's right, and Viafania shut them down, pretty much. But that's even what, it's like, Columbus did not have a backup for that, they, they were in anticipating they're going to beat us on the wings. And they didn't. Federico Higuain, I don't know what... I, mean, I just don't feel like he's been anywhere near a standout as he has been. I feel like this has kind of been a down year for him. And like they had no additional answer. And they couldn't come through the middle. Kamara can't create for himself. So like, they just kept coming at us, and we kept repelling them. And we kept our shape through the whole game, which was quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about Higuain. He had a, he had a pretty bad game. He, uh, I think it was the fifth minute before we got our second goal. They had a chance where he's kind of on the edge of the six, maybe a little outside the six-yard box on to Corsay's right. And he had two passing options, and the Timbers are, you know, trying to get back. And instead of finding his man, he passes it straight to Diego Chara. And, you know, that's not the Federico Higuain from two years ago. No, I mean, no, I, it's not. His touch was just, just bad. He had a few of those. They had a relatively late in the second half. He had that, they had that free kick, uh, where Powell just yeah decided to foul that dude for no freaking reason. Powell was not good at the game, but uh, and then Iguain just put it over the net. Like that was maybe their best opportunity of the second half, and he totally wasted it. Yep, you're not wrong. Oh, Jeff, what do you think? I agree with you about Villafana, but I think, and I can't, I'm, I was trying to think during while you guys were talking about Villafana. Or Jorge, I can't pronounce that name. Uh, <laughs> Neither can Caleb Porter. Yeah. Uh, well, we're both from the Midwest, so it works out. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who was marking Chani most of the match. Nagby. He, was Nagby in there? Was it Nagby? And, and Chara. Nagby, yeah. yeah, Nagby made Chani invisible the entire match, and I think that was a key for, you know, for what won it, what what won it for us, because Chani was, you know, the midfield guy, the winger that was going to break us down. And he did absolutely nothing. I think, if I remember right, looking at um, the MLS uh, player ratings, I think he actually had the lowest rating for for a crew player for that match. Which to me was amazing because I was Shani and Kamara were the two that I was worried about the most going into that game. You know, Kamara with his head, he was going to go in there, and he, I thought, you know, Kamara's going to get or Kamara's going to get three headers. They're going to go for goal, and Shani is just going to run wild against us and none of that happened yeah i think we won the battle in the midfield and our back four just shut everything down no you're right i mean again 
you got to credit Viafania for shutting down Ethan Finley. And it was funny because a couple days prior to the game, he was like, <laughs> I like the matchup against Viafania. And Viafania just, you know, put him to bed. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ethan Finley was pulled out like the like 60th minute or something. He was pulled out relatively early for this game. I, just him and Chani, I think him and Chani both went out early. Chani, I'm not sure when Chani got pulled out. But I know uh, Finley Ethan did. Finley was the 63rd and Chani was the 72nd minute. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, again, the only way I can describe it is water on rock. I mean, they just kept coming at us, and we never lost our shape, and they never had anything coming through. They couldn't break us down. We ultimately went on to win. And I, I just remember, I remember the last, we had four wins of Staffordshire. At that point, I was just shaking. Like, I was in a bar, I was like, come on, we're so fucking close. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. Well, I think, again, I think it was all about the gameplay. I think this was Caleb Porter out coaching his opponent because yes. what happened was Awful, who was, uh, Besides being pretty awful and having a couple awful tackles, uh, mean, like, you actually mean the actual tackles because those are. I mean, like he was like piggyback riding people yeah. a few times. Oh, know, oh like, the rugby, the rugby it. tackle on, uh, yeah, the rugby style tackle on Ridgewell, yeah, yeah. Well, and he had one on Viafania before that, but yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, from true. it's interesting because in the in the replay when I rewatched the game, it looks bad the one on Ridgewell, but what from the stands that was like, I, I don't know if we just had a different or better angle or something but that i mean it was there was no play on the ball like he it was just no it was it should, i mean i think it should have been a red card it was just no it was uh it was just terrible uh but anyway so what i was gonna say awful is that caleb porter was like he's gonna get forward that's what he does he basically plays as a winger more or less and he he was just so far forward that porter was like all right we're gonna put rodney wallace and luke milano out and we're just going to get in behind those gaps. Um, they got uh, par- uh, was it Parkour st- or uh, Francis on the other side was uh, not quite as far forward, but still pretty damn far forward. And so rather than trying to beat them at their own game by getting our own defenders or wingbacks, fullbacks so far forward, Porter's just like, we're just going to put our guys behind yours and make you come at us. And... That's how this, I mean, in a way, that's pretty much how the second goal happened was because Nagby cuts inside, uh, Francis is caught up field, and he just slides, slides, a, uh, slides the ball outside. Milano puts it on a platter for Wallace, and uh, it's 2-0 in the seventh minute. And by the way, that was Rodney Wallace's first shot on goal with his head in almost two years. <laughs> wow. Fun fact of the day. But let's be honest, I mean, and I'll say this for Steve Clark, he did redeem himself. Kind of got lucky, but he did redeem himself in a few pretty impressive saves. I mean, we could have easily had four goals by the end of that game. I mean, we oh, had yeah. the one that yeah. bounced off the post and then off Clark's body and then out. Then Clark did have a pretty impressive point blank, point blank save on Nap Borchers. So, I mean, he did, I mean, he... I, Clark was really good. I thought Clark after, played an incredible game. He, he was, after that, uh, after that first little blunder he yeah. had, he did kind of shape up, and I mean, he definitely kept the game close by himself. Absolutely, I mean, that I think that was the major thing is that first of all, I mean, obviously going down by, by a goal in the first minute is something crazy. It's only I, I was just looking at it. I think it's only happened, or being down two goals in the first fifteen minutes of game has only happened fourteen times in all MLS in the last four years. So, I mean, there's just hardly any precedent for it, and so it's hard to, 
to see how much that really affected teams without a good sample size. But uh, they just didn't uh, – Columbus didn't do anything to change their game plan. And so we just kept no. doing the same things. And uh, eventually, you know, they're taking out uh, Finlay and Chani and putting in attackers who aren't going to cover back. And so we just ended up getting more and more chances, mostly off corner kicks. And uh, they just they just had no answer, and Steve Clark played out of his mind. Like, that's the thing, is Steve Clark certainly had a better game than Adam Corsay. Yeah, uh, that's true. He didn't really do much, but the one opportunity really could have... Literally, his only opportunity for a save, he messed up, so... And it shouldn't have even been an opportunity for a save, because he should have caught the damn ball. But. Well, well, no, not exactly. Corsay did have that good punch on the ball. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple where he got out and hit it yeah. out, but none of them were necessarily shots. Well, that's, the, yeah. that's the thing about Crazy too. He also was very proactive where he cut that out even before there was a chance to get a shot on goal. I mean, that's just the cool, right. cool, type of goalkeeper he is. But. Except for the one he should have gotten, Zoo. I don't know. Yes, except for that one. Yeah. I, I think Corsay is the best goalkeeper in distribution that we've had in a long time. I can't even remember one that was as good. Um Thinking about like Steve Cronin. Uh, well, well, Ricketts in thirteen. Yeah, Ricketts was good, but he, you know, was prone to randomly different throwing guy. the ball out of bounds or <laughs> dropping guy. it out of bounds. Uh, speaking of, well, that's Steve true. Cronin. Yeah, uh, I think Corsay in distribution is the best goalkeeper. I think. Oh yeah. Speaking of Ricketts in thirteen, I mean, I think Ricketts in thirteen was the best shot stopper we've had, uh, and most proactive. Oh yeah. Goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, he was stuck to his line a lot, but he knew when to, to get out. And I just feel like Corsi, especially in crosses like that one where they scored, he's on a six-yard box, and that is a high-looping ball. Like, that ball is 20 feet in the air, and he can't get to it. I mean, that's just – he's that's not good. So I, no, I think right. he's been – look, obviously it's key, and I think he's definitely an improvement over what Ricketts was last year, but I just – I think he's getting a lot of credit for an incredible defense that's been in front of him, and I, I don't know. I'm skeptical. You're not wrong. I, I, I think there's upsides, because I think he is really good at reading situations before they have to even get to a point where there's a shot on goal. So, I mean, I don't... I mean, obviously he's good enough to, or, you know, not let in an atrocious amount of goals, so he got to the point where he could even get to the MLS Cup. So, and yes, there is a good point where I think that comes from the defense, and a lot of it has, especially because... You know, just a back four we've had this year, but I think he's above average keeper. Not, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say sure. he's great, but like, you know, he's definitely above average. Sure, yeah, I mean, he's there's some crappy goalkeepers in MLS. So I think he's above average. Uh, I don't think he's much above average though. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um. So yeah, September's gonna go on to win two to one. Uh, we are the champions. I I just want to say this, and before you jump into this, Drew, I just want to finish up the thought. I do feel very bad for Columbus, uh, not because of the scoreline or anything like that, but because their fans uh, performed absolutely atrociously, throwing beer cans onto the pitch. A few idiots. A, a few idiots, but I feel like they kind of let the crew down. Because I had going into this game, I'm like, this is a fantastic matchup. There's a ton of like, there's you know, no bad blood between us. It should be a nice, respectful game. And there's mass hats that kind of ruined it. So I just want to say that. And that's the reason why I feel bad for the crew. I think that the team itself deserves <laughs> no pop more than that. Yeah. And Jeff, tell me if you disagree, but I would say all, all the Columbus fans that I talked to, and this is, I'm saying that literally every single one I talked to, was awesome. 
and they were really hospitable. They said, thank you for coming. You know, even when after the game, when they lost a bunch of, like, they were going through the stands being like, congratulations, guys. We'll see you here next year. Like, they were so hospitable. I think they're just a couple idiots who were drunk. Yep. You know. Well, in in those idiots' defense, I mean, if somebody gave me a $10 Bud Light, I'd throw it too. <laughs> you know? uh, there and, was and some Tecate in there too, but yeah. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cute that they consider Bud Light beer. You know, I thought that was that was amusing. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that when we were – Jeff, did you notice this? That uh, when we were there in September, the uh, beer stand behind the Timbers Army had microbrews. And oh, they this had, time, they had my, this time wait, it was just Bud Light. <laughs> really? Bud, Bud Light, and Heineken. Yeah. Wow. That was it. That was a major downgrade. Yeah, it, it was it was unbelievable. But like you said, Drew, every Columbus fan I met, you know, from Saturday, um, you know, at the at the pre-funk, uh, even the ones that came over while we were tailgating, every single one of them was nice. Hey, welcome to Columbus. Thanks for coming. You guys really travel well. Wow, look at this big tailgate you guys are putting on. This is going to be an amazing game. Thanks for coming. Afterwards, uh, you know, we took an Uber down to uh, Union Cafe, and I walked into the wrong bar. I walked into one across the street, and I was the only one in my group. There's a bunch of crew supporters, so I'm thinking, crap, I'm dead. And they're like, hey, nice game, man, thanks. Can we buy you a shot? You want a drink? So they bought me a shot, bought me a drink. We're sitting there talking, and, you know. I'm normally the asshole that likes to gloat, but this time, but this time I couldn't because I was like, you guys are really nice. I really appreciate this. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, it was a really great Good. game. Two to one. It could have went anyway. You know, you know, thanks a lot for, you know, for having such a great, great cup atmosphere down here. You guys were amazing, you know, and they were, they were It's just, you know, it's, it's sad that a few jerks are going to spoil a, a good crew supporter image. Mm-hmm. But you know right. it is what it is. Yeah. Yep. I I totally agree. I and I, I mean I don't think there's anything else to say about it. That no. You know I've been in the North End when people throw shit. That doesn't mean that everyone in the North End is an idiot like that. So you know we don't we hold ourselves to that standard. So. We didn't. Well, I did hear that the guy who grabbed Valeri's kit while he was trying to take a corner kick did re- did get identified and received a lifetime ban. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, that's, well, that's good. We got Did you guys, was that on the telecast? Yes, you could. You okay. could. You saw him reaching over and they cut and they moved yeah. to that. You know, it's the big pan, but yeah, yeah. So, I heard. I heard today that he uh, he did get identified and they did give him a lifetime ban. So yeah, good on the Nordeca guys for Absolutely. pointing out who it was. All right, so we've won the cup. Let's move on a little bit, Jeff. Let's talk about you. Seeing we've just talked about the game for about a half an hour now. So Jeff, oh, my favorite sub, a- my favorite subject. We talk about me. Yay. <laughs> How about you tell us uh, who you are and you know, how you became a Timbers fan? Well, I lived in Portland from uh, 2001 to just after the final home game of 2011. And I started going to – I mean, I've always been a soccer fan. I grew up playing soccer, you know, um, rec league, high school, you know, some traveling teams. But when I moved to Portland in 2001, um, I, had a, I was bartending at some dive bar – I can't remember the name. I want to say it was in uh, Tigard, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, and a customer comes in and says, hey, man, you like soccer, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, hey, you got two tickets to go see the Portland Timbers at Merlot Field. Do you want to go? I'm like, with you? And he goes, no, I can't go. Here's, you know, you can take my tickets. So I took the two tickets, went to Merlot, watched the game, thought they played a, a you know, an attractive type of soccer. 
Um, you know, it was my first experience watching professional soccer. Oh, outside of, you know, the indoor soccer leagues. And I uh, became a fan, met a few guys there, got hooked on the club when uh, the Army supporters were doing the give beer, uh, give beer a chance chant. I thought, all right, this is, these are my type of people. So then went back and forth a couple games between there and the old uh, PG Park. Could never get tickets into uh, MLS. Couldn't get season tickets. I got ticket for the L.A. match in 2011 from Mike Chabala. He had a contest. I won the two tickets. I'm single. I offered the other one up on uh, on Twitter with the caveat of, well, you know, if you want it, you got to sit with me. <laughs> and, Drew, you know Maggie. Yeah. Yeah, Maggie – Took me up on the offer, met me and my friend Phil over at uh, Matador, and I said, "Hey, if you want this ticket, you got to buy a, you know, a pitcher PBR for the three of us." <laughs> she bought a pitcher PBR at the Matador, and you know, we sat, and then that's the game. Chabala scored, a, you know, scored a goal, and he messaged me yeah. on Twitter. He's like, "Dude, you're my good luck charm. Anytime <laughs> you want a ticket, I, I'll get I'll get you a ticket." And I said, "Okay, the next match." And he had a ticket waiting for me. I snuck into 207 with that ticket and you know, every, every home game, Chewy gave me a, you know, gave me a ticket and I sat in two Oh seven the whole time. That's so cool. That's really cool. Man, I missed your ball. I missed your ball too. I mean, he was average at best, Yeah. but for that 2011 team, he was what we needed. Yeah. And you know, he was a, he was a fiery, fiery dude. Gotta like those. Yeah. He was a really good personality for the team. Yeah, apparently he was an asshole in the locker room, from what I've read, but whatever. Yeah, that's what I heard too. I heard, I heard that too. That that was one of the reasons they got rid of him. Yeah. Oh well. But I mean, he was he was always nice to me. Yeah. You know. All right. I met his I met his brother at a game in New York uh, when they came out there. The dude was wearing a Chabala jersey. And I was like, oh man, I love Mikey Chabala. He was like, yeah, man, it's my brother. He's, you know, it's crazy what you guys have done for him. Like. He was about to retire when he was with the Houston, uh, the Dynamo, and you know he went to Portland and it totally renewed his love for the game. And uh, so, part of me was pretty sad to see him go. But what are you gonna do? That's a that's exactly. a pretty good story, though. So, what away games have you been to, and uh, what would you think your favorite would be, other than the MLS Cup? Because that's a pretty obvious choice. All right. Well, the only away game I've I've truly been to, which I consider an away game. Is I went to Shittle in 2011. Um, well, you uh, went to me, you went to Columbus in September. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't consider that an away game. Okay. Because I'm not living I'm not living in Portland now. You know, it just happens to be the closest game geographically to me. Sure. Uh, but uh, I went to Shittle when I lived in lived in Columbus in 2011, or lived in uh, Portland in 2011. Me and my friend, uh, we took the train up there and. You know, went to the match, had a blast. We lost, but, you know, we had fun. That was my first experience, my true experience with how obnoxious Seattle fans are. <laughs> you know, and that was the first and only time that I've tied my scarf around my neck. Cause just walking around, you know, having people try to grab the scarf was crazy. I mean, but, you know, you're going to have that with any, any supporter group. So, I mean, a lot of people were cool. You know, some were jerks, but I've been to, uh, see, I've been to, uh, the crew in 2013 when we played there and we lost one, nothing thanks to, uh, Pablo, 
Pab Mudaka's red card and penalty. Yep. Yep. In the first. And like then I was there in, and I was there in 2015 in September. And here, I went to. Um, well, I tried to go to the U.S. Open Cup in Detroit where T2 was playing, the Michigan Bucks. But by the time I would have left work and got there, it would have been halftime of the match. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go. So that's like a close away. Yeah. But and other you, than that, you, you know, live in Cleveland, right? I live just outside of Cleveland, east of Cleveland. And did you found the Ohio Axe Kickers? I founded Oak. Uh, I, ha- I came up with the idea of having Oak. I didn't have the Ohio Axe Kickers name. I had Oak, trying to combine it with Timbers. And I, I want to say it was Scott Brown of ECP that actually came up with Axe Kickers. This is good. You brought up two former Timbers Field Report guests in the yep. lab already, so yeah. you're, you're doing well. <laughs> I, I, I honestly believe it was Scott that came up with Ohio Axe Kickers. I just came up with the idea of calling it Ohio something because of Ohio and Oak being a timber and uh, and mm-hmm. just because I thought it was kind of I mean no offense to other regional groups but I just thought it was you know too predictable to be like you know so and so battalion so and so you know mm-hmm. platoon so and so this so and you know I wanted to be something a little bit different sure and you know thankfully Scott you know being the mastermind that he is came up with Ohio axe kickers and don't want to you know, hear that. I've, I've told him that several times. I don't take credit for it. I always tell. I think it's Scott Brown. He's the one who did it. Uh, Brent Diskin has made a, yeah. Brent Diskin has made a preliminary logo sketch that looks. He's combined the Ohio State flag with the Timbers colors and. Very cool. You know, it it looks it looks really cool. Hopefully, we'll get a scarf out soon. And uh, but it's amazing. And my group went from four people to. Like 400 in, in a matter of days. Once we got into Columbus, it was insane. Yeah, I was sure. one of those. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. I, and I'm just grateful that you know that you know we were able to you know that it was able to be hosted here, and I was able to help out in you know whatever small way I could. Well, yeah, I mean it should be said that you you were in many ways the point of contact for a lot of the Timbers Army stuff that went down, and so uh, everyone is very appreciative of that, and. uh I think a lot of what happened on Saturday and Sunday wouldn't have happened without you. So I think we all. Well, I got and I I got to give a shout out to uh, I think it was Travis Diskin that when I set up the tailgate uh, the pre funk at um, Three Legged Mare, thinking of what happened in September of only having a few people show up. Yeah, there were like five people. <laughs> five or six people, yeah, and yeah. then it started being like 50, 60, 100, 150, 200, 300, 400 people are going to this event. And I'm freaking out because I know the bar only holds about 200. <laughs> yeah. So I contacted Trav, and Trav said, hey, I'm on it. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, we're going to have an overflow bar at Gordon Beers, which is around the corner. I'm like, sweet. And then I show up to Three-Legged Mare at 7, an hour before the pre-funk starts, thinking, okay, I'll get something to eat, and I'll hang out here, and I'll relax. Because I had, you know, came down there and was, you know, like – um Travis Hefner, I was doing all the uh, shuttle runs back and forth from the airport. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to get something to eat and hang out and uh, wait till everybody shows up. At 7 o'clock, it was packed. It was it was insane of the amount of people. I know they say 2,500 people were in that area la- that Saturday night, but I think there's got to be more because both of those bars were parked and were, or were packed. And where I parked my car, 
that bar was packed with Timbers people too. Yeah, definitely Gordon Biersch, uh, which I recommended against people going to and then in, and then ended up at. Uh, both Gordon Biersch and then and the three Merigid Mule or Mare or whatever it was uh, were both at capacity. Um, yeah, and and they were pretty much all night having closed down uh, those bars on Saturday. It was packed. <laughs> you know, it started to well, spin out Gordon, around one or two maybe. Gordon Biersch was mad at us because they were supposed to close at ten. Oh. And at one o'clock, and at one o'clock, we still had three quarters of a bar. Yeah, you know, four I'm bars. I'm not sure they're that pissed. They're getting a. T- I'm sure they got a ton of money from us. Yeah. To be honest. Well, I think the I think the servers didn't mind. I think management yeah. might have minded. Yeah. But I know the yeah. servers were loving it. Line cooks probably weren't as stoked, but yeah. So how about you two take us through what happened the pregame after Saturday night? So let's start with the tailgate or uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I woke up in my hotel room and decided to make myself some coffee at the beautiful Days Inn. And I popped open the coffee maker, and there's like a line of dirt in the uh, carafe. I hope it was dirt. I don't know what else. Are you talking? Are you talking about the? Are you talking about the Shady yes. Inn by the fairgrounds? Yep. Yeah, I stayed there yep. too. Yeah, I was there, right around the corner from the pool, which was covered in guys. I actually had to interrupt you with some possibly mildly breaking news. Um, I'm just seeing from a tweet now uh, from MLS Transfers, and Drew, you haven't seen this yet, as I doubt you have. I guess Wolverhampton, Atlas, and Laszlo are all interested in Fernando Adi. Yeah, everybody's – I mean, that's sort of breaking, but – Everybody's going to be interested. Guess that, right? Like, we're going to get well, off. I'm saying like, those are – those are potential teams that are now interested in case anybody was interested. You guys can please continue with Sketchy in. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just on Audi. I mean, I think I think we had to expect that with the second half of the season that he had. And I think we can also, unless they pull a Viafania and make us an offer we can't refuse, and with Audi it's going to be much more than a million bucks. Um, oh, yeah. That he's, yeah. He, especially considering we're basically let go of Rudy, to, uh, let go of Rudy which we'll get to later. Um, I mean, I think Audi's... They're planning on using him for the future, so I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, we'll talk about more yeah. of this after. Uh, okay. But anyway, so I, I tried to make myself coffee, which was unsuccessful because I didn't want to use the disgusting, gross uh, coffee maker in the hotel room. That was about 10 a.m. Yeah, 9, 9 a.m. And then uh, woke up. Oh, that was after the 2 a.m. pizza, which was very regrettable. Walked over to the tailgate about 9.30 or 10, and there was some... Shitty techno music playing. There were couches out there. There was uh, some really bad Jimmy John sandwiches that I think had been made the day before. So I had some of that for breakfast and um, Bud Light. And uh, that's how I got my day started. I don't know. When did you get there, Jeff? I got there right around 9, maybe a little bit earlier. I... I avoided the coffee pot because I saw that earlier. I went down to the hotel lobby and got the little one swallow cup of uh, coffee that they give you. I mean, literally, that cup was enough for one swallow of coffee. Just enough coffee to make you mad. So then I drove over to um, – I had to put gas in my car anyway, so I drove over to the Shell station, filled up my car, got, uh, got a large coffee there. Parked my car back at the hotel, walked over to the Days Inn, or to the fairgrounds, to Mapfree, saw the uh, saw the same stupid couch and the carpet on the concrete, and I think there were lamps. 
Oh. Yeah, I can't I think remember, right, but I think yeah, there, there were lamps. I wonder what happened. Yeah, to those. lamps and potted plants. Yeah. And no one knows where where those and, came and from, car- right? No one ever figured that out. No, I thought I thought the uh, the the bad DJ, the guy who kept giving his company plug every yeah. five minutes. I thought that I thought they came from him, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make fun of the guy. I just thought it was really laughable that you know every time you get on mic you're gonna make a plug for your company, dude. We know you have this like 12 foot sign up by your yeah. DJ booth. <laughs> About your company in Cleveland, we know it's you. Yeah. Okay, calm down. But um, but I was just I I kind of laughed and I thought, okay, you know, this is cool. You know, something you know, keep Portland weird. We're gonna have a tailgate where we have a couch and carpet and potted plants and lamps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then that was the point where, you know, having lived in Portland for so long, that's the point where I finally get to, you know, run into Heidi White and Sunday White and Kristen Gerke. You know, and Holly Duthie and Lexi Stern and, uh, you know, people that didn't make it out to the to the tailgate, Mike Pacific, you know, people, you know, my dear friends in Portland that I finally get to see, you know, face to face at this amazing event that I had told myself years ago was never going to happen. I was never going to be able to root for Portland in a cup final. And then here we were, you know, all of us together. You know, so I thought overall the tailgate was fantastic just because for that reason. It was incredible. And there were more people there than even I really possibly imagined. It was it was pretty wild. We had what we had ten kegs, I think, and went through all of those and obviously tons of beer and uh uh shout out to uh Finn from the TA who set up a hell of a tailgate and organized a lot of pretty much all the logistics of the tailgate. Uh, it was incredible. And I thought, I thought the ticketing went extremely smooth. Yeah. I mean, the longest lines were for the bathroom because the crew refused to give us more than three. Despite the fact that in the pre-game meeting, uh, Finn was like, we're going to need, we had two for the game in September. Remember? And there were maybe a hundred of us. Yeah. Their security personnel were coming down to use our bathrooms yeah. in September. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then so they gave it's, us one more. crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, it ended up turning into like, oh, you know where the secret porta potty is around the corner behind the uh, the camper van? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a Timbers fan before I knew about the secret porta potty. I'm, I'm OG. <laughs> but yeah. So and then eventually they ended up bringing us, I think, one more. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, which upped our total to four the whole day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was silly. Yeah. 2,000, 2,500 people, we get four porta potties. Yeah. Was there only, it seemed, it seemed like more than that. Maybe we're just because we were It seemed like up. more. That was what I read on the Timbers website was 2,500 people hmm. were at the tailgate. And, and there were lots of people that would just went for the tailgate, didn't have tickets. They just. I'm sure there was. Yeah, I'm sure there were. That's right. You didn't originally have tickets, right, Jeff? No, yeah. On Thursday, uh, I, I mean, I got sold out on Monday. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't hit F5 fast enough to refresh to get a ticket on Monday. Got in the first round of waiting list, nothing. Got in the waiting list lottery, and then Wednesday came through. One out of 27, you know. Wow. So I hit. So my plan was, you know, if I didn't hit in the lottery on that, that Wednesday, I was just going to go down there. We were going to uh, a group of us. We were going to, going to blast it on our radios and, and party in the in the t- in the parking lot, you know, because there was no way I was going to miss it 
You know, I, if I had, if the only way I could be there for the championship game was to be in the parking lot, then so be it. I was going to be there. Yeah. You know, and I actually, uh, I forget who it was, somebody from Indianapolis who ended up also getting a ticket, but he was in the same boat as me. He's like, you know, hey, I'll bring my DJ booth and we'll blast it on speakers, <laughs> you know, in the parking lot. I was like, cool, we'll do it. You know, I'll bring a grill. We'll, we'll grill during the game. And then I got a ticket. He got a ticket. So, you know, we didn't have to do that, thankfully. You know, I mean, I'm sure there were other people in the parking lot doing that exact same thing. Yeah, I know there were. Yeah, I talked to a couple of folks that that did that. So, yeah, it was cool. So let's move. Uh, let's move forward a little bit. Let's talk post game. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. We're in a, okay. the highlight of the morning was the wedding. The uh, wedding. There, there yep. was a wedding. I I apologize. Continue. Yeah. Uh, I unfortunately forget the couple's name, but it was a pretty awesome ceremony. Um, and. Uh, the vows were awesome, and uh, it was it was cool. So, and the, you know, now those of us that were there in September are like, we need to have a wedding every time because there was a wedding when we were there in September as well because there's a church across the street. So we started chanting, "Can't help falling in love with Why you," and um, you know, the the wedding party director? came over and said, you know. Hi to us. So now we just need to, someone has to get married every time we're in Columbus. I do want to interject right now. Um, if anybody knows who that couple is, please tweet at us. We'd love to have them on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got we've got two years to go. In 2017, we'll be at Crew Away again. So yeah. you got two years to find somebody. You and mean besides uh, propose? The, yeah, oh, yeah. If we make yeah. the final next yeah, year. Two years, <laughs> yeah, two years to meet them, propose, and get married at Crew Away in 2017. Yeah. Start planning, folks. Yep. It's never too late. To, uh, people fail to plan, you know. <laughs> yeah, you don't plan you, to fail. You fail to plan. If you need any help, you know, I'm happy to be of assistance. You know, hey, baby, you know, we've been dating for two years. I want to marry you in two years sure. in Columbus, Ohio. I, I can think of nothing more romantic than proposing yeah, a, a wedding in a parking lot. lot. Yeah. Sure, how about no one other than yourself? Why don't you do it? Uh... Think of the ceremony we could have. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure my girlfriend would would love that. I'm sure she would too. <laughs> Prize hammer is mine. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that right there, folks, is why I stay single. <laughs> <laughs> that and, that and I'm butt ass ugly. But you know. You are a beautiful, beautiful man. Don't even. Oh, you hush your dirty mouth. You've been drinking. <laughs> oh God, yes. <laughs> I mean, I haven't drank today, yeah. but and I'm still still wrecked. So let's before we move on, let's let's address one thing. The Union Cafe. Huh. Awesome. Whose idea was that? Whose idea was that? I, I don't is know, but Merit's? I did notice um so yeah, oh yeah, so to give context, Union Cafe is where Merritt left his uh black Amex card or whatever for, for us. Uh it was also a gay bar that had show tunes and it was freaking awesome. It was probably the best place we could have had yeah. an after match celebration. Yeah. I did notice that I mean, outside of the fact that it was packed. Yeah. You know, but that place was amazing. I they did I did notice that the drag queen on the mic on the mic, uh, she said at one point, uh, I didn't expect you guys to take me up on my invitation. So I wonder if like she reached out to someone and was like, You guys should come here after oh. the game. Uh that's just me guessing. But but I did hear her say that, so Maybe that's what well, happened. I had called. I know in the morning they were looking for a place 
win or lose to go afterwards. So at right after the game, I called a few sport, sports bars in the arena district right around from Three-Legged Mare. Because I know Three-Legged Mare and Gordon Beers were both having strict 8 p.m. closing times that sun, that day on Sunday. Jeez. So I was looking for MLS something. MLS Cup uh, yeah, finals looking, in your city and you're closing at 8 p.m.? That's so dumb. Well, that's Ohio. I mean, Ohio is still puritanical. They, um, I know they said they didn't have liquor license for Sundays. They could only sell beer on Sundays at those two places. Oh, wow. But I did, I did find one place that the guy said he could hold about 250 people and he had three people currently in his bar <laughs> and that they were open till 2.30. And, uh, so I, I posted that out that, hey, this bar is open. Let's head there. And then I saw Maggie's. Dude, Merritt's buying beers, buying drinks at uh at Union Cafe. Get there. So me and my friend, we Ubered down there, and as soon as we walk in and get to the bar, Merritt's tab was closed off. Oh, ah. so I was like, oh damn it! I got in. <laughs> damn you, Merritt! <laughs> I managed to get in there before that, uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome. So they had just to set the scene, TVs all around playing show tunes. So. It was most. It was show tune Sunday, but they basically played whatever we want, asked for. So they played "We Are the Champions" a few times. So we got Freddie Mercury up there on the screen singing, and obviously everyone in the bar. And they were, you know, they did amazing. It was, it was incredible. Oh, let's not forget. I don't know if you saw Drew, but on the back bar, the drag queens getting up on the bar and doing like a New York um, rocket style dance to "We Are the Champions." You know, walking back and forth and doing the high kicks. And singing along with Freddie Mercury. Absolutely. Well, and then they started lip syncing to uh, like Miley Cyrus, and yeah, that was they, just that was the perfect stripping. place. That was such a party atmosphere. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, yeah, the bar across the street is the one I walked into when we got dropped off on the Uber, and that's where I had my first beer and shot thanks to the crew supporters. But uh, and then I'm like, we went out to Smoky Pad. I'm like, hey, I think I'm at the wrong bar. I go, is this a Union Cafe? And they go. Uh, they start laughing like, no, dude, you want that bar across the street. And I could see all the Timbers Army scars and the No Pity scars. So I went, yeah, thanks. So I hurried up and chugged my fat tire and thanked them for their generosity and ran out the door. Yeah, it was, it was, pretty, that was it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty, pretty epic story there. Uh, did you make it to the, the, the party after the after party? The one at the, no, because the, I didn't know about it, but I saw all you guys posting pictures of holding the cup. Yeah. And I was like, "Damn it!" Well, my phone, my phone had died, so I'm, oh, I was, yeah. you know, relying like, "Where's everybody else going? Where's everybody going?" Yeah. I know Maggie said Maggie walked by me one time at um, at Union Cafe and said, "Hey, the guy, the team's coming here." I'm like, "Okay, sweet." So I picked a spot near the entrance where I could hang out, you know. So when the team came in, and of course the team didn't come in. Yeah. No. Yeah. So at some point we got ordered that they were at this other bar which i don't remember but it was it was literally a church that had been converted into a bar which interesting was aesthetically pretty cool um, fantastic yeah and so we ubered over there it was probably a 10 minute 10 minute ride and uh pulled up got out of our uber as we're walking in uh milano and paparato were walking out i was at the front of the, the of our little group of like four or five people and <laughs> They walked up to me, shook my hand, were like, thank you guys so much. And we were like, uh, thank you. Like, uh, right. it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, I, was, I had no idea what to say, but I was like, you know, thank you so much. Congratulations. You know, this is, this is incredible. It means so much to us as a city. And 
as a supporters group. So thank you. And and uh, I was with Travis Hefner, and he, you know, we kind of looked at each other and went, "Did that just happen?" Which was crazy. And then we walked inside, and you know, there's Nat Borchers up on the stage, and Jack is there, and Darlington, and Reggie, and uh, Jack, and uh, Jake Gleason are at the bar, and so we got in line, took some pictures with the cup, and hung out for a while. I uh, got to hang out with uh, two of the core four Portland Timbros, uh, Roscoe and and Jose, and then we went up on the stage and talked to Caleb Porter, uh, who had had quite a few at that point, I think, uh, and it was <laughs> just super chatty, and um, the, I think the hi- it's a little bit of a blur to be honest, but the the highlight was. Uh, he was like, you know, this is more than a job to me. You know, even my family and ki- my wife and kids are like, you need to take a break sometime. But you know what? I'm just a rocket scientist when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. That that reminds let me let me just interrupt here, and I'll, I'll make this story really brief. So in 2012, obviously, I was living here in Ohio, and I'm only a um, short – 45 minute hour drive. It's more closer to an hour for me. It's 45 minutes for everybody else. I drive like a little old lady. Um, <laughs> but Akron, U, you know, of course that's where Porter came from. Right. When he, when he got announced that he was the new coach, see first, the first rumor that I heard and the one that was being bandied about was we were hiring somebody from the LA galaxy to be our, our coach. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, to me at least, because I believe that LA Galaxy rumor, because to me that seemed the most credible, that Porter at Akron U was going to be hired. So I immediately went online and I looked up to see when their next home game was, because I had an extra no pity scarf, the red fringe one that Porter wears during the matches. So I bought tickets to the game. I took a couple non-soccer friends. I'm like, you're going to go with me because, one, there's a great bar across the street. And back in my college days, I used to attend bar there, so we're going to go there. And uh, two, I need somebody to take pictures of me giving Porter the scarf. So I called the UA ticket office, uh, ordered the tickets, and I told the kid, you know, hey, I'm coming down here to, to purposely give Coach Porter a Timbers Army scarf. How can I do that? And the guy said, let me take your name and number. I'll find out how, and I'll, I promise I'll call you back. So. An hour goes by, and I'm thinking, all right, this kid, you know, finals week or whatever, or he's out, you know, doing whatever college kids do nowadays. I get a phone call from Caleb Porter. Wow. Telling me how excited he is coming to the Timbers Army. He's been there to a few matches incognito, that he sat in the Timbers Army, or he stood in the Timbers Army, and he said just being with the Army was what convinced me. He goes, we've got a great core of players there that we can turn into champions. And he said, he actually said to me, we are going to kick Seattle's ass every single year. (laughs) And we talked literally, and I'm not exaggerating, literally for an hour. And I was just in awe of one, you know, the new Portland Timbers coach is talking to me Two, He is talking with such confidence about how we were going to beat Shittle every game (laughs) from here on out. And three, I had, I had, I had just all this confidence of, Hell fucking yeah, let's do this. Yeah. You know, we're, I'm ready. So then after the match, I was hanging out with the AK Rowdies, which is the, uh, the, uh, supporter section, supporters group for Akron U. It's all full of college kids. 
Um, Porter comes over, starts clapping him off, and I've got a scarf. And then he starts walking back towards the tunnel. So I held the scarf up and I said, Coach Porter, he came over, you know, shook my hand. I scarfed him. We made a nice little video of it, took the picture of it. Um, he took me back in the locker room. He gave me two Akron U scarves. I shook DeAndre Yedlin's hand. I thought, and I told Yedlin, I said, you are amazing. You're going to be a fantastic pro someday. Of course, he ended up going to shittle. <laughs> and I said, fuck you, you're dead. And then, uh, then not only that, he went to Tottenham, and I'm an Arsenal supporter, so that was a double oh. fuck you. You're dead now, too. You oh, know? Don't say that, but, uh, Don't say that. Yeah. yeah, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, Porter was just amazing to me that day. I mean, that's an incredible what, story. Who else would take, I mean, he actually offered me, he goes, he said, do you need tickets? I said, no, I already paid for them. He goes, turn them back in. I'll get you tickets. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay, coach. I got, I got the tickets. I've got friends coming in. You know, we're going to watch the game. This is going to be my my introducing them to soccer and, you know, blah, blah. They actually came with me to um, Crew Away in 2013 when that when we, that rock band – I forget the name of the band. Foggy, Foggy Molly. Molly. Yeah, yeah Fog, Foggy Molly played in Columbus. Yeah, so they came with me there too. But, uh, I mean, but Porter was fantastic. He treated me amazing. You know, then I went down there a couple games when they made their playoff run, and I ran into him and Nagby when they were watching the um, – selection committee for the tournament and I got Nagby and Porter to sign my Timbers Army scarf. Wow. Little did I know Nanchoff is sitting right next to Nagby, but he wasn't with Columbus at the time or else I would have, or with uh, Portland at the time, I would have got Na- uh, Nanchoff to sign my scarf. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, that was just an amazing event. And that just goes to show how much Porter really, what Porter really thinks of the army, you know, what yeah. he really thinks of the support. And that's what he told us on Sunday night, you know, he, we'll say with that, but look at, Look at the, you know, not just the parade yesterday, but, you know, the, uh, the whole stage at, uh, at Providence Park. And, I mean, that's just, that's out of this world. I mean, I, I would have loved to have been there, but that's, that looks so just genuine and phenomenal and dreamlike. It's a soccer city, motherfucker. Did anybody watch the live, uh, the live feed yeah. of the, of the parade? Yeah, it was, it was epic. I, I didn't watch the parade because I was at work. I saw Oh, it was amazing. Awesome. I'm sure it was. It was amazing. I wish I could. Yeah, that worked for the parades. I got little, uh, little videos and Snapchats from people, but, uh, I did watch the stream of the, uh, you know, the whole celebration of Robert Spark. That looked, looked amazing. Poor, poor Wayne. And let me just say this right there. Watching, watching the celebration, Liam Ridgewell is, uh, Portland's version of Jack Wilshire. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no idea what that means, but I assume it well, means he's awesome. Well, when Arsenal won the FA Cup, the last two years when Arsenal won the FA Cup, Wilshire grabbed the microphone. Both times he got fined by the uh, British uh, English FA for leading the fan supporters in the "What do you think of Tottenham?" chant. <laughs> you know, basically the "What do you think of Tottenham?" shit. What do you think of shit? Tottenham. Thank you. That's all right. You know. So Ridgewell is the Portland version of Jack Wilshire. Although it was, and rightfully, rightfully so. It was Will Johnson that uh, started the uh, F- Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Fuck Seattle. Yeah. 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 But it was a, it's all but a fantastic, amazing dream. And, uh, you know, I, anyone who's listening, you know, thank you for any TA member that really got involved and helped out for this stuff. I mean, this is, I, I feel, I, I, I wish I kind of quit my job just so I could go on to this. This looked like an amazing experience. And I, I do deeply regret not going and making some kind of effort of job quitting to, to have gone. But it looked like, you know, phenomenal collective effort by so many different people to put so much effort in. 
It was no, incredible. Thank you for anybody. It out was. There. I yeah. mean, just unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's coming from us. It doesn't mean anything, obviously. Uh, so I don't know if it bears repeating, but it's just what happened is uh, it's an amazing thing that I'm gonna remember forever, and I'm sure most of the people uh, that that saw it will as well. I mean, it's it's just it's hard to believe. I mean, and, and it truly took an army to get everything going. I mean, ju- let's just think of the logistics of getting the drums in. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And then, and then Scott Brown and his crew of cutting PVC pipe in Three-Legged Mare and attaching flags to them the entire night that Three-Legged Mare was open. Mm-hmm. You're doing nothing else but flag work. Mm-hmm. You know, and then transferring the flags from there to the stadium. And then the drums to the stadium, and then everything to go inside to the into the supporter section, you know. And then you know marching in together, every you know it was literally, you know, an army's effort. We could you could do a whole a podcast, Kyle, of just thanking everybody that oh, yeah. contributed somehow. Yeah. I mean, there was just so many people. Yeah, it was it was incredible. All right, gentlemen. So uh, I now want to slap both of you in the face by bringing you to the reality of Monday. Uh, so if anyone yeah, damn it, Kyle, don't do it. What the <laughs> fuck, you fresh killer? We gotta get son of a bitch. Well, like let's Monday before we actually come. say anything. That is so dumb that you know the players were being told in the locker room. You know, it's funny because we at the sorry to jump back to Sunday night again, but we could tell there were players that were like. It's they were they were happy that they hit you know they just it didn't seem right and then we find out the next day that they'd probably just found out that they were gonna leave the you know they'd been told that they're not gonna be on the team next year and uh, you know I don't understand like why it has to be the following day deadline yeah I mean I get it because they want as much time to do the transfers and stuff and for every other you know another the other eighteen teams in the league that you know they've been done for a while but it just Ah, it just doesn't feel right that players win a cup and then have to find out that, you know, they're, they're getting cut or, you know, they're being traded or, you know, ah, just stinks. So I, I let's start with Viafania because you got to think this is a very lateral move for him. I mean, for those of you who don't it's know. It's not a lateral move for him. It's a huge step up for him. I'm sorry. Then Whatever. You know what the fuck I mean. It's a positive move for Viafania. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so for those of you who don't know, he's uh, he's being transferred to Santos Laguna and Liga MX for just under a million dollars, and I am I'm very sad to see him go because I think he was very quietly one of the best defenders in MLS. Um, but you know, Santos Laguna is a big club. It's you know one of the better or one of the more consistently better uh, Liga MX clubs, and I I hope he does great there and good for him. I mean, I'm sad to see him go, but good for him. Yeah, and it, it, he he was uh, you know, the earlier toward the end of the season they had the uh, you know, 107 have their uh, supporters player of the year. He was my vote. I thought he was with by far the best Timbers player, you know, this year. He was year. without question the most consistent Timbers player. If that's me, right. who was the most consistent. Yeah, it was him. He must have played the most minutes of the season, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, anybody, I don't know if it, yeah, but anybody else? I know he didn't play the well, game. Well, didn't – I think I – th- I thought it was Nagby. Or no, Nagby was out for a couple games. That's right. Could have been. I mean, the only game I know Viafania didn't play was the one in Philadelphia that we went to, but it seems like he played yeah. almost every other every other game. But, yeah, I mean, just so consistent, just such a 
I mean, says all the right things. I, seems like know, a really nice and humble guy. It too. seems like this, the, at least to the media, this really has put him on the map. Uh, and I hope, I hope he gets a call from Jurgen Klinsmann because he sure is hell of a better left back than Breck Shea. Yeah. yeah and let, and let's let's not forget how how Jorge found himself in the league. Swaino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was a rea- reality contest winner. Yeah. A reality show winner. You know. And you think of that, and you think, oh, it's a joke. This guy has no skills. But I mean. Look at what he did for us the yeah. two years if, he was here. If you give this a playoff runner, the, the people that were like so hyped up to be so good for his competition that you know like he wasn't going to be able to cope with them or you know shut them down, he shut down some very good players. Oh yeah, yeah. He went through the murderous row of MLS wingers, right? Like yeah, he did. He really did. And that, I mean, awful Miram, uh, Castillo, uh, all pretty much the whole team in Vancouver is lightning fast. Like. The the West has all the best wingers pretty much, uh, and he took them all down. I mean, it's just incredible performances uh, week after week, and the dude de- deserves all the lauds that he's getting. And uh, I yeah. hope I hope I hope you can stay healthy. And I, look, I'm a Santos Laguna fan as of today. Like I'm yeah, gonna be following like them. I hope he I hope he you know they give him the starting spot because. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I don't know starting, but I can definitely see him being a sub, like a, a really quality defensive sub to lock down the last, you know, 20 minutes or so, and maybe he'll work his way into a... Is, I, I don't really know anything about... I mean, didn't uh, didn't uh, Hercules Gomez used to play for them? Yes, he did. But, um, like, I'm not... I just know there's a, quite a... There's definitely going to be a jump between MLS and Legal MX, but I think he can... I think he can, you know, get minutes consistently for that club. And, yeah, like, I, I think we... I, I think under a million actually is a little bit short selling him, I think we easily could have gotten like one point one, one point two, no more than that. But I think yeah, you know, we got some good money. It's hard to get a lot of money for defenders, but yeah. I but, I mean, we got, we got but I heard money. that that deal was but I heard that that deal was in place around September. Yeah, it's definitely been hinted at for a while now. Yeah. I mean he he made a hundred and thirty thousand this year. So I'm sure he's more maybe multiplying his salary oh, yeah. many times. Oh, yeah. So But good for him uh, if some Magical chance he's listening. Jorge, best of luck to you. Hope you're doing magical things. He's not listening, but yeah. I know he's not true. <laughs> hip, hip, Jorge. Hip, hip, Jorge. Yeah, good one. So next, uh, unfortunately, because of the cap space, uh, Maxi or Rudy will probably not be back next year, unfortunately. Um, I, it looks like we're definitely going to need some kind of second backup striker. And again, you know, it's unfortunate to see him go because he's been such a cool personality and he's had such a such an energy off the bench that's been so hard to replace. And you know, he's a good guy again. Well, I don't know. I don't know how long the the television broadcast showed on Sunday, but he climbed the goalpost in the South End to cheer with the with the Timbers Army after the match. That says all you need to know about Maxi right there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean that that's amazing. Now. I thought now with the new DP and allocation money that came out uh, today that can't we buy down more of Adi's contract and won't that help us keep Yerudi? You well, so For th- we are we're currently paying down both Yerudi and Adi's contracts this season. Uh, my understanding. Uh, and I, this is basically just what I've re- learned from reading Chris Reifer, who was also off some meat on Sunday. Uh, 
is that, you know, it's hard to believe, but Rudy originally signed with Toronto. We, you know, Gavin yes. Wilkinson traded Bright TK for him, which seems like the trade of the century. Uh, and Maxi, according to the the releases, was making uh, two hundred thousand this season, but that was being paid down. And I guess the way his graduated salary was written is that it takes a pretty steep jump, and that the Timbers just didn't want to allocate all that TAM uh, to paying him down even more this coming season. So, and yeah, for those of you who are not aware, uh, as of today, which is Wednesday the 9th, uh, MLS is releasing more targeted allocation money to every club. I believe it's somewhere in the ballpark of like. Oh, like I, I it was eight hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah eight hundred thousand in each. Yeah. So yeah, so there's more target allocation money coming through, hmm. and I guess uh, one of the last really big. I mean, the, you know, Andrew Weber is now a free agent. Whatever. Uh, we did release a few of the smaller T uh, two players who were loaned down. And the last one I'm pretty sure that we all kind of saw on the wall was Will Johnson said he will probably not be back, and uh, you know, I think we've all kind of seen it's coming, but. You know, it's so unfortunate because he's, he's had such the personality that Portland's ever. I mean, he picked us up after 2012 and really, you know, took us by the scruff and made us kind of who we are and gave us that mentality. Yeah. Well, and there were there were there were people, you know, on social media saying, "Good, he didn't do anything for us this year. Maybe he didn't do anything this year. Maybe he I, was, I, you know, because he was rehabbing all this time. Well, he but even played well when he, he played. He, he yeah, he was, but a, what he, he did, was a locker room presence when he didn't play. Like, yeah. He has the mentality that we've always needed and still probably do. He, he's, a great he, he's the one who inst- – him and Porter are the one who instilled this winning attitude, this winning culture in, in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And I think Will Johnson is a huge reason why we are MLS Cup champions today. Absolutely. And maybe not for what he did this year, but definitely what he did in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that – that brought everything forward for the club. I mean, just say we were playing for the Western Conference Championship in in 2013. You know, 2014 we scored 61 points. You know, in in the in the West and just barely miss out. You know, so I, Will Johnson is a huge reason why we're MLS Cup champions. Absolutely, and and I hope that, and I don't think that dude will ever have to pay for a beer in, beer in Portland ever again. Like, no, he'll always be welcome back. Yeah, he's he's and. It, you said it, Jeff, but you know that's echoed by everybody. Like it's known, aside from apparently some idiots on Twitter that probably threw their beer cans during the game. Uh, that uh, you know the dude, the dude was instrumental as part of this turnaround, and um, we wouldn't have done it without him. And wish him all the success. And you know, no matter where he ends up, it sounds like it's probably unlikely it'll be Seattle at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I think he goes to the East Coast. I, I mean, unfortunately, I think he might go to Chicago because Chicago could really use that mentality. Yeah, Chicago makes sense. I mean, I, I I read that Vancouver's interested, which I think that would make a lot of sense. I mean, Toronto would make a lot of sense. Like, he's Canadian captain, right? Like, Yeah, um, I hope he goes to Toronto because I don't want to have to play against him. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice of him to come back to Providence Park, but I don't. you don't want to play against Will Johnson, unfortunately. He's, yeah, no. He's good at what he does. Well, and you, you knew it was going to happen once, once Caleb switched oh, yeah. the lineup. The formation around, the you know, once you put charts in the sole back D mid position, there's no need for that other D mid. The last one, which I, I, I'm not convinced Fernando Adi is leaving, but I, we did mention the tweet earlier. You know, last year after he scored 11 goals in half the season, we got some pretty big offers for him, and we got to keep him around because you know DP 
hopefully we would get more. And we did, we got more out of Audi this year. Um, you know, we mentioned that Atlas, Wolverhampton, Wanderers, and Laszlo are all possibly in the running for Fernando Audi. Now, I am very doubtful that we will sell him because if we sell him, we're kind of, you know, now we're almost rebuilding a championship team. That's not a smart idea by any shape of the, uh, any stretch of the imagination. But that being said, if one of them offers an astronomical amount of money, we're gonna take it. I mean, that's just the build of an MLS team. If, you know, if we have a guy and Fernando Adi gets like, you know, a five, six million dollar, co- you know, offer, I think we'll take it just because you're not gonna turn down that kind of money. Absolutely. I mean, you could right. bankroll the roster and all of T2's roster for almost two years with that kind of money. So, I mean, just, it's smart to take that money. I don't want to see it. I think, you know, Fernando Adi's just developed so much over the past year to the striker that we need and that, you know, the system we play around shapes to him so well. Yeah. I, I don't want to see him go, but again, if there's that kind of money being thrown around, I would even take it. I'm sorry, but. Yeah, and I think Gavin has shown to be pretty shrewd in those situations. That said, Audi does seem to be really settled in Portland and really like it. And yeah. obviously he's playing really well, uh, which is, you know, I guess we've been saying this every week, but you told us you know, six months ago, that Audi would have done as well, and we would have been shocked. We were on yeah. the we were on the Audios bandwagon early, if I recall. We were. We <laughs> both were very much on the Audios bandwagon. Yeah. So uh, it's you know it's a testament to him and the team and Caleb Porter again that it happened, and you know to make it broader, like this is an absolute vindication of Gavin Wilkinson as GM. It is. It's so weird. After after the uh, after we won the cup, I was thinking. You know, there's no way anyone can really be saying Gavin Wilkinson out anymore at this point. I mean, he's really oh, just no. those people are sure quiet. Yeah, yeah. I am one of them. I, Gavin, I humbly apologize to you. <laughs> I am so sorry. If you ever come to Cleveland, Gavin, I'll buy all your beers. Because <laughs> I'm sure he's also listening to our show. Yeah, oh, of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure you know Via Fania, Gavin Wilkinson. I guess we have a really big Edmonton can, uh, in Canada <laughs> listenership. Let's go back to Adi for a second. Sure. So let's look at this. Let's look at that scenario. If is there a dollar figure that it would take for Gavin to say, "Okay, we're selling Adi"? I think five. I mean, I know plus. I know everybody has a price, but what is the current what is the current rumor? Because I didn't hear this rumor yet. So what's I, the current have- price rumor? I have not heard the pri- any kind of price from Maria. I would just I wouldn't sell Audi for anything under five five point five million probably. Okay. Yeah, I think I mean yeah. I think around five million is is, is probably right. Um, Let's think. I my feel like guess if, is if that they'd want to have someone, li- if not lined up, then close to in mind to replace him. I don't think they're gonna do it blindly necessarily. But and here's the thing, Drew. I feel like if you if if Laszlo is one of the clubs seriously interested, I feel like you could say. Six and a half, and they might take it. That's a very big club. Like, I mean, Laszlo is one of the larger Italian teams, and if they're really interested, you could probably throw Laszlo. Yeah. The fuck is Laszlo? Rome team. I'm not, I L A Z L O. Yes, I'm not pronouncing it right. I know that part. You're not thinking of Lazio, are you? Yes, I am. You said Laszlo. <laughs> no, no. Yes, I did. Okay, is it Lazio or Laszlo? I believe it's Lazio, but I honestly I'm not Serie A fan at all. This is this is a big difference. Lazio is a huge team. But even with even if he gets five point five million, and like you said, I think it was you, Drew, that said we can you know 
finance all of T2 with that. But that being said, we still don't have somebody to replace Adi. I mean, if Adi goes, you can't, you know, replace, there's nobody that you can plug in that's going to do the job that Adi did. I think Belmar's still, what, a good year, two years away from cracking the 18. You know, um, I, I just hope we do whatever we can to keep, keep Adi, but I think at 5.5 million, if I was Gavin, I'd say, sure, you can have him. But again, like, you don't even have to dedicate all that, you know, all that cash to one thing. Like, you don't have to, you know, bankroll off T2 for a couple of years. You can, you know, take three million of that and go get another striker. Right, right. You could, you could get another DP. Yeah, I think that's, that's what'll happen. I mean, but again, I don't, I don't see him. I, cause I'm pretty sure we're going to say if we want more than five, <laughs> five million and, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and paying who's offering, but I think he stays. I don't see him going. I really don't. I agree. I don't. I don't see Wolverhampton going anything more than a million. No, Wolverhampton's probably not a realistic place to go. Yeah, going. yeah, and I think more realistically, they would offer up five hundred thousand tops. <laughs> Most likely, and I, mean, I, and I was, highly doubt that they could afford five hundred thousand. Yeah, they're kind of a shit situation, aren't they? But um, Atlas is another pretty big club. They could, and it, there has been some rumors coming uh coming out of Mexico for Adi even last year, so maybe you know, that's a place. I don't see him wanting to go to Mexico. I feel like he's one of those people that actually likes to live in Portland. That's the, always the impression I've got. So like he's one of those guys that's very happy here. Happy when he's yeah. scoring goals. He's like an orthodontist. He only works on braces. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I, I think it's True. it's worth noting as well that uh, we declined the options on Beasler, Nanchoff, Toma, Toma, yep. yeah, Toma, and Paparato. Uh, which probably means Paparato is gone, and almost definitely means Nanchoff is gone. Well, I heard. I heard. Let me interrupt you. I heard that Paparato and Wallace had bona fide offers. Yes, they did. Paparato did too. Was it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was Paparato yeah. and Wallace. No, no, Zemanski and Wallace. Was it Zemanski? Yeah, it was Zemanski no. and Wallace have bona fide. I thought Paparato had an offer also. Mm, I don't think so. I also think we might try to get him back. I think it would be a mistake yeah. not to try to get him back. It, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Beezer resigned too. I mean, he, I think he was at the league minimum. Although I guess I don't, we wouldn't decline it if unless he had a big pay jump. Yeah, wasn't he? I thought he was Generation Adidas. No, I don't think he was. No. No. I don't believe so. Yeah, I know. I thought everybody that came out of college was Generation Adidas. No, no, just that they're just, no, just like five or ten a year, I think. Except those, and those don't count against the salary cap, so they definitely wouldn't right. uh, decline those yeah. options. Yeah, Beasler was the Beasler was the one that was the big big shock to me. You know, being our our high draft pick and you know playing one year at T2 and then gone. I don't think he even really played that much at T2, if I'm not mistaken. Beasler, yeah, he played most games. I didn't follow I didn't follow T2 that much. I mean, living out here, there's you know it was just what I could read on Timbers.com. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think Beasler and Toma probably end up getting re-signed under different contract terms. Maybe sure. even Papa. The thing is that they actually also here's the thing: those guys can all get now signed to T2. Right. They can be signed to a different. They can you know they can always be signed to the lower team just because they're not offered Timbers contracts doesn't mean they're not going to be with the organization. Right. Very true. Nanchoff Nanchoff being let go is a shocker to me. Just because of his, you know, the way he can create in the midfield, and he's got a deadly free kick from 30 yards out. He, he does. He is I just, just amazing. And I thought I he would be a good know, sub, a good attacking sub. I never thought he would really be a. Or he was quite, 
quit a full 90 minute player in MLS. That was my criticism of him. Like, I, I understand he, you yeah. know, definitely had the, uh, the free kick ability. And, you know, now looking at, we have Viafania gone, but, you know, Nagby should have shown potential to take really good free kicks and, uh, corner kicks. So, you know, I don't really see how Viafania still fits in. Not Viafania, I'm sorry, um, Nanchoff. Nanchoff. I mean, uh, he played like 10 minutes, so it's hard to. Yeah, hard really to know. judge. Yeah. Yep. I guess that's it, huh? Gentlemen, uh, Jeff, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it was a, it was an honor and a privilege to be asked. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed this. Absolutely. Con- congratulations on winning MLS Cup. Uh, you also. Congratulations <laughs> on your MLS Cup. Thank you, brother. And you too, Kyle. Congratulations <laughs> on MLS Cup. Jeff, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. But Drew, also, <laughs> I want to I point something out. The the year we started the, uh, the field report, the Timbers won the MLS Cup. Now, I don't want to take full credit with that, but I'll take half credit with you. Uh, correlation does not equal causation, my friend. If How many times me, do I have to say that? If, <laughs> if you can show me a good argument that we did not help in some way, shape, or form, the Timbers win the MLS Cup, that's, I don't know, Drew. I don't feel like you, uh, you're right in this with me then. Yeah, well, well you, I mean, you and your damn here's the science. thing. I did buy a house. I, I closed on my house the week before we played Columbus in September. So that being said, I'd have to buy a new house every year mm. for us can, to win the MLS Cup. Make that happen. Okay, let's uh, let, let's start the GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the year the Timbers signed Janderson, uh, and they just declined his option. So I think that's the end of our championship run, guys, because. Janderson came, we won a MLS Cup, and now he's going. So we had a good run. Can't argue with that, Drew. Can't argue with that. And of course, of course, the guy they they just cut accepted my friend request on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> Who's so, Janderson? Yeah, yeah, he just accepted me. I put him. I had him on there since like April, I think. <laughs> well, hell, Timber Jim, ex- Timber Jim just accepted my friend request, and after we took a picture together Saturday, he said, "Hey, send that to me on Facebook." He said, you have to send me a friend request. I said, Jim, I sent you one four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm not so good on uh, on social media. <laughs> so funny. I woke up this morning, and there he was. He had accepted my friend request. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm now friends with the legend Timber Jim. Very cool. Perfect. All right, well, thank you very much uh, for all of our listeners this, uh, this MLS Cup season. I think me and Drew might have a few uh, – postseason podcast to put up but uh until then thank you very much for listening you can hear it all.